Welcome to Painting Pictures. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears and your hearts for a little while, and I will fill it with jarbled bits of my own consciousness. What do you say, huh? Is it a deal? We got ourselves a deal? Oh boy, I'm a little hyped up on coffee. Not gonna lie, it's coursing through my veins, and all I had for breakfast was a bit of fresh apple cake, which was freaking delicious. Oh boy, have I been eating good, folks. I'll tell you what, it's going to be hard to go back to anything but uh, three square meals that involve meat and fresh fish and fresh vegetables. Eating like a king. Eating like a king. Eating like a king who likes salmon. Mm, And boy, do I like salmon. This is Painting Pictures. This is the podcast... Um, that's based on the book Painting Pictures by Gabriel Roberts. And that book will be written in the future. And it'll just be about um, this podcast and what a wonderful journey it has been. If you're listening to this in the future and you're interested in finding some work and learning about farming or fishing or hunting please send me an email at gaberobertsart at gmail.com. I, I may have somewhere for you to go. You must be, here are the requirements. You must be open-minded. You must be conscious of your own energetic field. And by this I mean you can't be an energetic vampire. That's very important. Vampires are not invited to apply to this program. It's a very exclusive program. You can't be looking to suck life force from anybody else. You have to be sovereign in your own being. Okay? If you are, then um, on to the next requirement. You have to be... Oh, gosh, this is a tough one. I haven't really thought about this one. You don't have to be, but ideally you're kind of able-bodied. You can do a little bit of work, and you're interested in using your body to... Uh, do some work. I mean, maybe there'll be other opportunities for people in wheelchairs. I don't know. This is the future we're talking about, so I can't be totally sure. But here's my idea. I'm staying right now with this wonderful couple of people that have built over the last 38 years an incredible food forest in their yard on their property, and it has... Uh, gotten bigger, and then recently they've begun to scale it back a little bit. It's a man and a woman. The man is an expert hunter and fisherman. Um, the woman is an expert gardener. And I mean expert and cook. They're both good cooks. And what happens as a result is there is this massive store of knowledge here. Knowledge. I mean Boy, you could spend a long time, say 38 years, in this one place, and you would just maybe know as much as these two know about this place, about the bugs and the surroundings and the climate and the plants and the animals and their patterns. And my idea is that that knowledge, that knowledge, does not go to waste, does not disappear when they move on to the next phase of of their lives. 
um, that it, this place doesn't decay and fall apart and get totally scaled back and cut down and passed off to somebody who has no idea of the history and starts from square one. Let's start building on what we've learned as a species. What do you say, humans? Let's stop learning everything over again with each new cycle and each new generation. Let's start building on things a little bit. So my idea is that these wonderful people are not uh, totally unique. I mean, of course, they are totally unique, but there are other similar places all around the country and all around the world where people have been living for a long period of time and season by season they have built up um, soil richness and biodiversity and then they've built up an incredible knowledge of knowledge. <laughs> Why is that word so funny this morning? Knowledge. Incredible knowledge. <laughs> knowledge. Knowledge? Knowledge. An incredible knowledge of the place and their surroundings. And my idea, if you let me get to the point, please, just settle down. Stop thinking about the word knowledge for a second. And I'll tell you, my idea is that their place uh, can become, and places like it, can host people like me. People that are young and full of energy and want to do some work and want to learn. And they can come, and they don't have to come and live here permanently and figure out a life here. They can come for two weeks during harvest season or during planting season or whenever, and they can do some work. And maybe they can get paid a little bit if the situation allows. Maybe they can. the exchange can be as simple as the woofing formula where you're getting room and board. Um, that's the idea. <laughs> so... I'm not like launching a new website about this. I know about these people and I'm hopefully just going to learn about some more. And what I want to do is for people that have places like this and have um, places like this to think about making space for others to come and, and, and probably they've already got it. Um, but thinking about the, the type of work that they would want done and when they'd want it done and the type of people they'd want to come. And then for all the other people out there, think about where you want to go and what you want to learn. Do you want to learn woodworking? Uh, do you want to learn, you know, about herbs? And and then it's just a matter of connecting the dots and bringing people together. And then also it's a question of these uh, bits of property being converted into somehow some kind of a trust um, that is is stipulated by the people that that, that started it of how they want it to be used and how it's best used. And and that way it it carries on and it gets built upon. And, and all the work that's gone into making this place so awesome is not lost. It's not for nothing. Okay, that's the idea. That's the grand idea of today's podcast. This is a solo episode. Sometimes I have guests that are willing to sit and talk to me and tolerate my rambunctiousness or my passiveness for a period of time. Today is not one of those days, or this week. And sometimes I just don't feel like doing it. Sometimes I'd rather just talk to you by myself, okay? Is that so bad? Um, next week we'll probably have a guest. And we can make this like a conversation. If you want, you can hit the pause button at any time 
and just speak out loud your responses to what I'm saying. Send them right back at me and then hit play. And in that way we can develop an imaginary dialogue. Um, what else is there to say? If you like this podcast, there are a number of ways you can support it. Um, I'm going to keep doing it no matter what level of support I receive because I find it therapeutic and fun and um, I'm just going to keep putting it out there. But if you'd like to help it, I want it to get big and I think it'll get way better and cooler the more people hear it. So what you can do is you can get out a piece of poster board and write painting pictures with Gabriel Roberts on it and draw a picture of me. And then um, post that somewhere visible. Post it along the side of the road. Include the web address, perhaps a QR code that links to my website. That would be fantastic. If you don't want to do that, uh, the most important thing is just to keep listening and send me your feedback, your honest feedback of your opinion of what you like and what you do not like. If there's certain things you want more of, tell me that and we can make more. If you, if you want less of something... You can tell me that too. And the email address is GabeRobertsArt at gmail.com. The website is GabeRobertsArt.com. You can also, if you want to go a step further, subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't subscribed via iTunes, I don't know what you're doing, but that's really helpful and uh, very simple. Just hit that subscribe button. And then if you want to take a step further, you can rate and review the podcast. And that's awesome. And um, that's going to happen one of these days. I, I have a feeling there are a few ratings and reviews out there. iTunes is just waiting for them to build up enough and then determine that I'm legitimate and they'll post it. You can also donate to me in the podcast and that will help me continue to travel and connect with other people. That's about it. Um, boy, it sure is nice to have you here. Settle on down, get yourself a cup of coffee or not, because that'll make you pee and listen in to this little solo nugget. This is, um, my last day or second to last day up in Smith river, California. My summer loop is almost complete. I am tomorrow departing for Sacramento, California that I left behind and the very end of May. So it's been quite a journey. Um, thanks for sharing it with me. And I'm excited about the next chapter. I don't really know exactly what it's going to be. I, I All I know is I'm going back to Sacramento with a big packet of love and new vibes from the summer that I want to disseminate. I want to... <laughs> I want to disseminate that shit all over Sacramento. I got a big load. I'm ready to... <laughs> Ready to spray it all over Sacktown and the Bay Area. So look out, folks. I'm coming. <laughs> no pun intended. Woo! Woo-hoo! And then after that, uh, I'm going to gather myself up. You know, I'm going to do some picture framing and some probably more purging of things. I really do not need so many things. Get rid of some things. Um, Drink a few delicious cups of coffee in the morning with my dad. Oh, boy. he I know he likes coffee. I know he's brewing that bulletproof coffee, and I'm ready to jump on that train. I'll tell you what. Um, and maybe do a little gardening. Definitely do some gardening. Um, for a couple people I know could use some gardening help. So I'm going to get down with that. Great time, I'm sure, to harvest big old tomatoes and peppers and 
cucumbers. And then probably ship off, folks. Probably ship off somewhere else. Um, don't see myself hanging in Sacktown that long. Anyhow, if you're in the Bay and in Sacramento and listening to this and you want to connect, the next few weeks is going to be the time to do it. So holler at your boy. All right, on to this podcast. You're great for sitting and listening to all this. Sorry if I'm a little hyper. Um, these first couple of segments were recorded early this morning when I was rather somber. And so it'll be a little quieter. And then I'm going to try to close with a song. Uh, namaste. watched a couple episodes of the Showtime original television show Outlander. It's based on books. It's set in some vague medieval time period. Uh, King George II, I believe, is the ruler du jour. And there's a scene where um, our hero is this uh, heroine and she has been transported back in time and she's helping to uh, administer tend to a wounded soldier and there's a little bit of a, a romance budding between the two that is obviously going to be a major force in this series it's okay to make fun of something that you enjoy, right? I enjoy watching this show. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't make fun of it. No, it doesn't. So the uh, heroine is kneeling beside the wounded soldier. He has a shoulder injury, which is perfect because it allows them to really show off his upper body. And he has a really nice upper body is really nice developed uh, shoulder muscles and um, there's kneeling by a fire because she needs to boil the poultice or whatever the dressing of the for the wound and of course the firelight really accents his his upper body quite nicely and um, and they're both a little bit dirty which uh, I think is is somewhat hot and something that we enjoy watching in our clean, comfortable homes. A little bit of medieval grime. And this dynamic, I believe, is the um, driving force behind the success, well, or at least the repeated attempts at creating sort of medieval pieces. Of course, Game of Thrones, this is set in, I don't know when, it's like a vague unspecified time period but you have um you have people that wear leather you they get a little bit dirty um lots of facial hair guys with long hair these are things that we don't really see so much in our society but i think we all 
find somewhat stirring. And then, of course, you have the fantastic, um, uh, what do you call them, the push-up bra um, things that you cinch up, the the bodices, the corsets, corsets. Now, corsets maybe n didn't come along until much later, but um, in most series they find a way to fit them in or just have the ladies clad in these ridiculous leather upper dresses that force their breasts upwards. Uh, it's a very popular aesthetic. Um, Xena Warrior Princess was based on this. Um, who can forget Brad Pitt as uh, Achilles? Now, of course, that's um, way pre-medieval, but it's like anything, anything that's oh, 500 to 1,000 years old um, we can go ahead and just throw into this bucket and we have the uh, vague sort of soft British accent that implies ancient history and we have these wonderful scenes and this scene was repeated this was the second major scene of her administering to his wound and then she went back the next day to administer to his wound <laughs> and I was really <laughs> wondering how they were going to make it happen because she visited him at the stable and I was like, where is the fireplace going to be? Where are they going to show us dressing his wound? And amazingly, they uh, they didn't. They missed that opportunity. But I was thinking about it and wondering, do the actors or the film crew, are they pretending that that isn't what this scene is about? Are they pretending that, like, okay, so in this scene, you know, you really you need to show... Um, a little bit of fear because you're really not you're not sure of what's going on at this point. Um, this is a really important moment in your character's development because she's showing compassion, and this is the way that she's going to win the trust of these people. And you know what are they telling these actors when obviously this is a scene designed to get Mr. Man shirtless in front of the fire and strapped various ways. Of course, his muscles look even better when she straps him tightly into a sling with a leather belt. And who doesn't like a little, you know, strapping of leather and just a little bit of grime everywhere in the dim firelight? And it's so obvious that that's what this scene is about. And I'm just curious <laughs> as to whether the directors and actors are... Uh, if they... S mention that or if they all pretend that that isn't what this is about and that this is serious good day mail here with your camping update for those of you that aren't familiar with myself I'm a camping expert from uh, South Africa, and I've been camping in the uh, outback of South Africa, the bush, uh, across the country and in different parts of the world for coming up on 18 years now. So, if there's anything that <clears throat> happens when you're camping, I reckon I know a thing or two about it. And today, uh, what I want to talk to you about is carrots. Carrots are an excellent snack for camping. They store well, they don't require a lot of ice to stay cool and fresh. 
are also fairly inexpensive, which, when you're camping, is always a treat. When you get a bag of carrots before you can eat them, you need to remove the outer peel. And for this, you'll need a nice sharp knife or a vegetable peeler. A vegetable peeler is sort of like a knife that's been shaped into a strange oval. And so the blades come towards the center of the oval from both sides. Uh, You can peel with your right hand, and then when that side of the blade gets dull, you can uh, peel with your left hand. Or, as I like to practice, is to alternate between peeling with my right hand and my left hand. This stimulates both hemispheres of the brain, also ensures that your vegetable peeler wears evenly. It's impossible to sharpen a vegetable peeler. As everybody knows, uh, when the vegetable peeler is dull, no longer uh, cuts it, it's time to get a new vegetable peeler. You can also just use a good, small, sharp knife. But vegetable peeler is quite useful. It's convenient. It's safer for the children if they want to get involved in the carrot peeling process. Now, peel a carrot, you want to hold onto it with one hand and peel with the other in long strips down the side of the carrot. And when you reach the tip of the carrot, uh, continue your peeling motion until your knife or vegetable peeler carries off the edge and ideally the strip of skin that you've peeled from the carrot will fly off and down into your compost pile or your fire or wherever you happen to be peeling over. And you continue this, uh, rotate the carrot slightly to expose a new section of skin uh, directly adjacent to the strip you've just made. Repeat your peeling process starting at the top of the carrot. I like to start uh, at the thick end of the carrot and work my way down its orange length until I reach the end of the carrot and again continue through until the peel goes flying off into your compost pile. Uh, Continue rotating the carrot ever so slightly as you make your way around it. uh, Orange girth, gradually removing the skin. Uh, Once you've removed the skin, uh, the last step is to chop off the ends of the carrot. Now, most importantly, you want to remove the thick end of the carrot, and that's where the actual plant emerges from the carrot, and that's the part you don't want to eat. So chop that off with your knife. This is when it's nice to have been using a knife and not a vegetable peeler, uh, because you do not have to change implements. 
And then, finally, your carrot is left naked, uh, peeled entirely. It's lost its thick end, and it's left with a uh, small um, tip. Now, I like to remove this tip. Some people prefer a carrot that is uncut um, and retains its tip. Uh, it's not at all unsavory, but it's a matter of personal preference. And I rather enjoy uh, carefully snipping off the tip of the large orange hard carrot. And you can do this however you like. Uh, you can use your knife. Uh, sometimes, if I'm by myself, I like to use my mouth and gently place the tip of the carrot in your mouth. If you like, you can uh, rub it in and out a bit, um, simply to moisten it with your uh, saliva. And then, when you're uh, ready, uh, carefully nip off the tip of the carrot. You can spit it out directly. Uh, you can walk it around in your mouth a bit. Um, or you can swallow it entirely, which would rather defeat the purpose of uh, removing the tip for eating purposes, but it can be a, a bit entertaining for some. Well, um, once your carrot is peeled and prepped, you can slice it however you like. I like to store my carrots in Ziploc bags to maintain their freshness. Uh, perfect for a long trek through the wilderness, and you'll always be glad that you've peeled your carrots ahead of time. So, if you're sitting around your campfire at night and you've got uh, no tasks left to complete, but you wish to keep your hands and perhaps your mouth a bit occupied uh, in a safe manner, in a totally socially acceptable manner, then peeling a bag of carrots can be just right. Well, this is Mel, and this has been your Camping Update. So, coffee, guys, coffee, really dealing with some issues with coffee, um, love coffee, love, love coffee, love it, love the smell, I love the taste, I love to brew it really strong with honey and a little bit of half and half, which could just be called whole, right? Uh, but the problem with coffee is that it makes me have to pee so bad that my penis hurts really badly. My urethra, my urinary tract. The, oh, God, does it hurt. And 
well, it hurts when I don't pee right away when I get the preliminary urge. And perhaps people that drink coffee regularly are in the exact same boat, and perhaps they just pee very often, but I refuse to be a frequent peer. I absolutely refuse to do it. Uh, that's just a road I'm not willing to go down. I think that it's I, so important to me that I can go through my day without having frequent interruptions. And also the whole, you know, it's one thing if you're, well, it's just not a all around. Having to go to the bathroom is a pain in the, it's a pain. Um, you know, what if the bathroom's upstairs? Or what if you get pee on your shirt? All right, these are real issues. And um, they are a risk you take every time you need to evacuate your urine. So I just don't want to go down that road. And so when I drink coffee, I get the urge to pee pretty quickly. And so I, I just hold off. You know, I say no. No, buddy, no. I know you have enough room in there. I know your bladder has plenty of room. You don't need to pee right now. So we're just going to hold it. And so I hold it. And, you know, it, it's a little uncomfortable, but usually it subsides. And then it'll come back again. And again, I'll be like, no. And I feel like I'm um, perhaps preventing some uh, decline into frequent peeing by holding the line, you know, and forcing myself to not pee, but it's miserable. And I'm, you know, for one cup of coffee, this this can happen from one strong cup of coffee. Not even like sitting down and like I like to do sometimes, and enjoying an entire French press pot of coffee to myself. I love that. I love that. Uh, you know, really just <laughs> settling in and drinking cup after cup after cup of coffee. And even like getting all the way down to the last one, and you would think that maybe it's not that hot anymore. Maybe you wouldn't drink it. Um, maybe it's got a lot of grounds in it. But saying yes to that last cup and dosing it up, taking the time to get down the honey and get out the half and half and stir it together and drinking it. And it's like the, the damn coffee. It's like uh, bef before I'm I'm actually appreciating the cup of coffee I'm it's done and it's gone especially when it's only one cup of coffee it goes so quickly it gets cool and then for the rest of the day I'm in uh, misery because I refuse to pee when I first need to pee which you know relieves it it, it works but um, I don't want to go down that road and so I force myself to hang on and boy does it get bad and uh, I've been doing the little dance I've been doing the little dance I was in uh, I was in Coeur d'Alene Idaho and I um, found a place to park and I'd been driving and I had drank coffee in the morning at the campsite and hadn't stopped yet and this is my first stop and I didn't really have to pee until I um, it's like your body recognizes that the opportunity for evacuation is approaching and it gets excited and it decides to just prep and start sending things down the chute and then I really had to pee as soon as I pulled over into this little parking lot by the lake and I got out of the car and I walked I saw a public restroom and I walked to it and outside is this guy and he 
is definitely on his way to the bathroom, but he, I believe, was checking his phone, and he was paused on the walkway a few feet from the bathroom, sort of looking at his phone, taking a half step, looking at his phone, taking a half step. And I had the urge to blow right past him into the bathroom, but my um, social graces, I don't know, desire to keep up appearances prevented me from doing so and I didn't want to look like somebody that really has to pee not that there's anything wrong with that there's no reason to be ashamed about that but I guess I am it's apparently a big part of my identity is never having to be really urgently needing to use the bathroom all right that's not me I'm not that guy that's something You'll never see, Gabriel Roberts will never be busting down the door to get to the bathroom. I just don't want to be that person. And so I, I um, put on the air of, of, of a casual traveler on his way to the bathroom, and I kept my walk to a slow pace and approached the guy. And he looked up at me <laughs> from his phone, and he could tell that I needed to use, wanted to use the bathroom. And he was a little bit abashed about, abashed? Ashamed? He wasn't ashamed. I don't know. Uh, he, anyway, he put away his phone and went for the bathroom and said, like, I'll be quick. So I guess some urgency was projecting from my person. And I said, oh, take your time. I didn't really say that. I said, okay. And he went into the bathroom, and then I proceeded to boogie outside the bathroom by the lake. Like, I was dancing. I was doing the pee dance. I was swinging my legs. I was jumping up and down. I did not place my hand on the outside of my crotch like a young child, but I was close to it. And in those moments, it crosses your mind, like, how far can I push this? What will happen? At what point will I pee myself? (laughs) And what will that feel like? And I imagine that it'll feel terrible at first, and then really, really good. He got out of the bathroom and engaged me in conversation, that prick, if you can imagine. He asked me, he saw my California plates, he had seen me pull up, I guess, and he wanted to know what I was doing, I told him, and uh, I don't know, I somehow, I guess, contained my urgency. I had to pee so bad. I recall sort of shifting stances multiple times, like quickly in our brief two-minute conversation, like, oh, left foot forward. Oh, I'm just going to stand now with my right foot forward. And he didn't really pick up on it, but I could have, if I hadn't had to pee, I probably could have talked to the guy for ten minutes easily. We could have sat and visited, but I had to pee. And so, it turns out he uh, has a summer home right in that sweet stretch of Highway 83 in Montana, where I want to go next summer and camp for a couple weeks. Um, so that was cool, and he seemed really nice and genuinely interested in me, but I was ready for the conversation to come to a close so that I could relieve my bladder. And boy, does it feel good to unload when you have to pee that bad. What I'm wondering... So I... You know, what am I going to do, guys? What am I going to do? Am I going to... Is is there going to be a... Uh, maybe there's going to be a, a type of coffee that doesn't do this to me. Um, I have been drinking the Ikea espresso 
on this camping trip, which really started to get to, and drinking it on a daily basis. Uh, today I did not drink coffee, and I drank tea, and I didn't experience this at all. So it is obviously directly related to coffee. And it, as much as I would like to pretend that it is something that's just in the air, it's 100% related to coffee. Uh, direct co correlation. And so what am I going to do? Um, you know, every day where I'm doing the dance and feeling the pain, I say to myself, this is not worth it. And this is totally unacceptable. But then in the morning, when I smell that coffee, things change. I wonder if it would be healthier to smoke cigarettes. That was the other thing I was doing on this camping sojourn, was smoking some cigarettes and really enjoying them. And uh, since I arrived in Smith River, or I don't know, since I ran out of tobacco, I haven't been smoking cigarettes. And that's great because I did have a little bit of that... <coughs> phlegm that comes up when you laugh sometimes, which is gross. So I don't deal with that anymore, but I think a half a cigarette a day, I'll bet you, is healthier than one cup of coffee. But I'd rather drink coffee, I think, because it's so good. So freaking good. Sheep, 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 sheep. I'm getting to mingle with some sheep. There's a pair of sheep here, lady sheep. They're fat and they eat a lot. They're great. They eat the garden clippings and turn them into little poops, uh, which are great manure. So they're wonderful creatures to have around. They're so funny. They're big and they bustle around and they spook real easily. And they're somehow abashed about, again, that word, abashed? They're, they don't want you to know it to be too obvious that all they want is food. Like, it has to be a little bit of a game. There has to be a little layer of, of subterfuge to it. Like If you were to ask them, do you want me to just feed you? They'd be like, oh, I don't know, maybe. Like, they can't be... Uh, too obvious about it because that's all they've got is their desire <laughs> to eat and they can't lay it out too obviously too plainly i guess humans are similar they often will hide their true intentions because they will feel too vulnerable if it's out there for example today i was clipping back some berry bushes which the sheep really like and they were watching me from the other side of the fence both of them right there right up against the fence looking at me and I was talking to them a little bit and saying oh you know you want the berry bush and one berry bush berry branch berry branch berry bush branch the berry bush branch berry bush branch berry bush branch berry bush branch I guess that's not a tongue twister uh, I clipped and I just sort of laid it over the fence and went back to clipping and they came up and they nibbled away at it and definitely were enjoying it. And then I, I came back and they were braying at me, like calling for food. And I stuck out another one and I guess I, maybe I stuck it out too quickly or something, 
But they both just turned and bolted away. <laughs> Went running off. And I know they wanted it. I know there was there's nothing they wanted more than that sweet berry bush branch. But they couldn't let it be too obvious. You know, they 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 gotta they they can't lay it all out there for you. Same thing with cats. I hope I didn't tell this story already on the podcast. There's Tomatoes the cat back at Elsewhere, and he wants to get in. Wanted to get into my little house all the time, the gingerbread house. I feel like I did tell this story, but when I finally one evening opened the door for him, and I was inviting a bunch of other people into the house, and he came, wanted to come clambering in, and at first I shut him out, and then I was like, "Oh, all right, everyone else is in here. You can come in this once." And I opened the door again for him. Well, then he held his head up and sort of pranced off like oh no i wasn't i wasn't trying to get in there what is it why can't we be open about what we want just say what you want sheep cats people come out with it so what if it makes you vulnerable uh it's good let's just cut the bullshit and cut to the chase say what we want i want coffee i want coffee every morning and i want it to not make me have to pee Sheep, I don't know about sheep. I don't know how smart they are. Um, they seem pretty dumb to me. I feel bad laughing at them, um, but I can't help myself. They're silly. They're silly, bustling, <laughs> chubby little girls that just want to eat. And I guess I should love them. I, does comfort breed gluttony? That's the other thing I was wondering. Is that where all organisms trend to when they have every need met? Do they simply seek satisfaction in satiating their desires? I guess that's when you get to be completely comfortable, that's all that remains is the satisfaction of of eating a good meal or, or someone else was talking about on a podcast, taking a good poop or having a good pee. It's those little uh, pleasures, simple pleasures of feeding your body and your bodily functions. That's kind of gross, but um, I think that's where we all head. That's certainly what happens with dogs and sheep. Uh, these sheep are pretty much just on a one-track mind here, and it's all about apples and berry bushes. And they go for the freshest stuff in the bunch. They have huge piles, because I've been doing so much clipping, they have huge piles of food in their field. And yet when I go out in the morning to pick berries, they will bray at me incessantly because they want me to bring them more food. And they just want that little thrill of the new food coming in that so they can go up and fight each other to get to the fresh stuff first. When they have all this food sitting there in a pile, they're probably totally full because they also have just grass to eat. But that's all they have to live for at this point is the excitement of a fresh batch of leaves. Um, I guess I hope I don't, <laughs> I don't get to that point. It's like my grandpa in his later days. Uh, he just lived for sugar, you know, sugar and coffee. And God bless him. Um, there wasn't much else that really tripped his trigger. And I guess that's at a certain point you get down to the basics of it your life is comfortable enough where that's all you got did you hear him that was a sheep actually that might have been a cow sheep
Well, I went fishing, folks. I went fishing on the Klamath River. Got up at 4.30 a.m. to d- take the 40-minute drive up there um, with my f- friend who's hosting here. And he's an expert fisherman. He's been fishing for probably his whole life. And we went out on a river boat, power boat, um, and we fished for salmon in the in the Klamath River, salmon and steelhead. Salmon and steelhead, fishing for salmon and steelhead. It's salmon and steelhead season. Well, we didn't eat any of the fish because the water is about 71 to 73 degrees, and apparently fish in warm water tastes kind of crappy and muddy. You want that good cold water fish. That's what's real tasty. So this was some sport fishing here. We did uh, keep a few fish to uh, smoke and give away. Any idea I had had about fishing being sort of difficult, um, hit or miss, you know, you're lucky if you get a bite kind of a thing. That's kind of blown out of the water by this crew of guys on their boat. I went out with these three guys. They've been two of the guys have been fishing together for 38 years, and probably on this river for a lot of that. They'd both been fishing guides, which means they would take out a boat full of uh, noobs or just amateur fishermen and take them to all the best spots in the river and let them haul in these big fish. Well, these guys go out on the daily during fishing season. They're camped down just a few miles or a couple miles from the river access point. And the expectation is that you are going to haul in upwards of 20 or 30 big salmon. Like, in in a few hours, you're going to go, you know right where they are. It's very simple. You know where the fish are. You get the right bait and the right gear, and you get in the right position, and you, you set up. You went to go to the top of, the, of a section of the river, turn the boat just so, cast in your lines, and drift down, and the fish will come and bite, and you'll yank your rod up to set the hook and then reel those puppies in and decide if you want to keep it or cut it loose. So it's really not that hard. Um, I mean, of course, there's tons of finesse involved, and these guys have been doing it for years. And they were kind enough to deal with me uh, being my first really time fishing um, it took me a while to get the hang of casting, and I was kind of nervous about m- messing up their day of fishing, um, which led to some trouble with the casting, and sometimes I'd cast over into their spots, and I'd be late casting, so they'd have to wait on me. Ideally, you want to all cast in a row, so the four of us would be in the boat, facing upstream, and drifting backwards downstream, and we'd go one, two, three, four, plunk, 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 and you want to plunk your line just at the right spacing to give the next people in line the, the right spacing. But it always took me longer than I wanted to to get ready to cast. And then they'd be like, oh, go ahead, Gabe, cast, cast, Gabe, it's your turn, cast, Gabe, Gabe, cast, cast. <laughs> like, ah, trying. <laughs> trying, and then uh, the very simple act of casting, which really is not that hard, it's just about releasing at the at the top of the arc and sending it out in a straight line became difficult when I was hurried and I would sometimes cast right into the bot- into the water right down there and anyway they were uh, very kind and generous and even allowed me the one guy hooked a big and he passed the rod right off to me so I got to fight it and pull it in 
and we kept it and it was like a probably a 20 pound fish and it was 84 centimeters long a real beauty of a salmon um so right and i guess when it gets hot down in that river the guys will go out and it's not uncommon for them to haul in 50 fish 50 fish i don't know what you do with all that fish but basically all my ideas of like oh the fish are running out and oh fishing's really hard and you're lucky if you catch one no 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 every summer there are hordes of fishermen out on these rivers and they're just pulling them out like it's no big deal uh so and i guess it all you know you gotta have the right equipment you gotta get a good boat but it was fun and it's probably gonna be hard for me to go back to any kind of other fishing where i'm out there for hours and i'm lucky to pull in a little fish i do want to proudly announce that i I struck or uh, hauled in my own fish. Um, I, that was the one that the other guy had hooked and passed over to me. I hooked my own fish later in the day and pulled it in. Let it go because it was, you know, maybe two feet long. Maybe not that long. Maybe 18 inches, something like that. But not big enough to keep. Uh, but I was pretty excited about that. And who knows? Maybe I'll get to fish some more down the line and fish in cold waters and keep them and eat them yeah fishing all right charlie them's the beans you've heard it here the number one sauce pot in the whole flower kingdom that's Painting Pictures with Gabriel Roberts, and you are the delightful person that picks up the other end of the deal. I, I lay it down, I write the check, and you cash it in, baby. I'm so grateful. I hope you're swimming in some love, um, or deep in depression, because, you know, it's all part of the sweet stuff of life. And go ahead and admit it to yourself that you like the pain just a little bit. Um, gosh, if, if you haven't listened to the Duncan Chussell Family Hour podcast, it's a hell of a podcast, and I'd say it's even better than this one. The other great one out there is called Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. If you're looking for more podcast uh, fun, check those out. I have links to them on my website at gaberobertsart.com. If you have any questions for me, email gaberobertsart at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm going to leave you with a song. It's a sweet old song. Um, This is a cover of the White Stripes version. It's called We Are Gonna Be Friends. Until next time. Fall is here. Hear the yell. Back to school. Ring the bell. Brand new shoes and walking blues. Climb the fence. Book and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Walk with me, Susie Lee Through the park and by the tree We will rest upon the ground And look at all the bugs we found Safely walk to school without a sound Safely walk to school without a sound Well, here we are, no one else we
walk to school all by ourselves. There's dirt on our uniforms from chasing all the ants and worms. We clean up and now it's time to learn. We clean up and now it's time to learn. Numbers, letters, learn to spell. Nouns in books and show and tell. At playtime we will throw the ball back to class through the hall. Teacher marks our height against the wall. Teacher marks our height against the wall. We don't notice any time pass. We don't notice anything. We sit side by side in every class. The teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she likes it when you sing. Tonight I dream while I'm in bed, while silly thoughts go through my head. Of the bugs and alphabets, and when I wake tomorrow, I'll bet that you and I will walk together again. 'Cause I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends.